It's the 11 Nubcats. Yay. Yay. Uh, Ohio State remains undefeated for the last two weeks of the season. We we emerged out of the Big Ten Championship game without a loss. That's pretty great. Yep. I feel good about it. Uh, how do you feel about it, Michael? Oh, I feel like a team that lost to the Big Ten champion by three points and is somehow seen as vastly inferior to the other team that lost by three points to the Big Ten champion. True, but ha- but I, I think the ultimate determinant of, of maybe what they were thinking of, and I wouldn't say vastly, right? Like it's, it's vastly. Like two positions, vastly. Two positions in the college football playoff well, rankings. Two positions is like the world. I mean, I get that you're salty that you want to be in the Rose Bowl. Like, I understand that. The Rose Bowl's great. But I would say, I mean, I guess the ultimate determinant for me is who has more regular season wins. And I, I think you can pretty much, I mean, it's it's Iowa. Iowa is 12. Ohio State is 11. I mean, I, I feel like you take care of business at home. This isn't even conversation. So I feel like you give us Iowa's schedule and we're probably 12-0. Well, I mean, twelve. No, you're still you're twelve and one. Well, I mean. okay, so maybe you're twelve and one, but then they don't have the extra the extra win in the. Yeah, I mean, okay, I mean, I see your point. I, I look, I just I'm not going to be belabor this point. I, I'm a little irked that that um, I thought the yeah. coaches were the only poll of the three that that got it right. I think if you put Ohio State and Iowa on the same field, I think Ohio State wins the game. Um, yeah, look, I can. I, I think it's a reasonable argument. I'm not. I'm not. Here's, you know. here's my question to you, and, and yes. it, it's just an exercise in you know, it's just a thought exercise. It doesn't really sure. make any difference. But your preference? Would you rather play Stanford in the Rose Bowl or Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl? Which is more exciting to you? Well, yeah, I mean, Stanford in the Rose Bowl is is obviously more exciting. I mean, that's more fun. But with that said, I don't, you know, I'm not turning my nose up at Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, that's that's an excellent bowl against a really storied team. And the fact that you get to rehash a bowl win that I thought was one of the funniest and best bowl wins of Jim Trestle's entire tenure, like, I'm not going to complain about that either. I mean, that, that, that particular bowl win was glorious, and I loved every second of it. Yeah. So hopefully we can recreate Beating that. Beating down Charlie Weiss was fun. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Charlie Weiss is just this loathsome toad, and he's just an idiot. And I remember, like, all the talk before the game, like, you're going to give Charlie Weiss a month to prepare? You guys are so screwed. And then after the game, I think it was like, I don't I don't remember which player said it, but it was like, how about giving Jim Trestle a month to prepare? How does that work out for you? Like, And granted, you know, Jim Trestle is maybe not the offensive mastermind of a Charlie Weiss, but obviously that worked out in Ohio State's favor. I really hate Brian Kelly. I think he is an actually like an actual bad person. Mm. And I've mentioned this on the Dubcast before, but you know, you ignore wind warnings and get a kid killed, you're going to be pretty much my internal like, you know, bad person list. So, I want to beat him very badly. I think he's just a bad person and just just a bad person. Like I don't, you know, this is <laughs> I I need to hit that age appropriate button on SoundCloud so I can't say how I actually feel about Brian Kelly, but he's he's a bad dude, so I want to beat the crap out of Notre Dame. Not a big fan of Brian Kelly, and I, he could just, you know, piss off. What an angry, sad man. I, I don't like the way he turns purple when he's angry. I don't. I really don't like much about him, quite honestly. No. And it, it will be great if Ohio State can, can go out and just absolutely thump them and take out all their frustration on, on not making the college football playoff on yes. the Fighting Irish. Now, um, you know, the... The thing that I don't like is a lot of is when you get like samesies. It's like it just feels like a few years ago we just played this game. I, I always like to play new teams that we haven't played in a while, so that's kind of why I would have liked to have played Stanford. Um, I mean, I even if it, even if Stanford, even if it was the Fiesta Bowl and not the Rose Bowl, I would have rather played Stanford sure. just because we haven't played them in a while. Um, but and, that, and, they're, and to be fair, I mean they they are definitely an interesting team. I mean they they do bring a lot to the table, like athletically in terms of the matchup. Like that would be intriguing. Yeah, I, I like um, what Stanford brings to the table, and I think it would be great to play against yet another Heisman Trophy finalist. Yeah, um, yeah that would... so I mean that that would be pretty awesome to to play against Christian McCaffrey and see how that chess match would go, and to see how uh, Luke Fickle and Chris Ash would, would match up on defense against him. And, you know, what we would do on special teams, would we kick, try to kick it, you know, to the back of the end zone or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I, I, I would be interested to see how all of those things happen. But, um, you know, I'm not as excited about Notre Dame, but, I, you know, as the game approaches, I'll get more excited about it. Right now I'm just in that kind of, 
I'm in that that zone, Johnny, where it's like the regular season's over, and soon there's going to be no more college football, and I'm yeah sort of lamenting that. And, yeah, it's sad. And I, I mean, I get this way between in the end of the regular season and the bowl games every year that I know it's almost over and I'm dreading it. Uh, but once the bowl games start, I'll I'll perk up and I'll be, I'll be all right. You know what? I got to be honest, Michael. Like this kind of felt like kind of a drag of a season a little bit. Like, it, and I, you know, like I normally dread, you know, dread it and stuff, but like, am I, you know, am I wrong? Am I just like, am I talking into the clouds right now? Or do, or do you kind of feel that a little bit? Cause I, you know, again, I'm, I'm sad that, you know, the regular season's over, but honestly, I, I don't know. This is my favorite regular season of all time. This is kind of a grind really. And not in like a fun, like, Ooh, you know, dramatic way, but kind of in like, uh, okay, let's just get to Michigan state and Michigan way. And then you know, you, you lose one of those games and it kind of sucks. Yeah. The grind is what they called it. Um, it, we knew it wasn't going to be as fun as last year because last year was surprising and unexpected. And, and yeah, last you year know, that sometimes you get those presents at Christmas time that you weren't expecting. And they're like the best things you ever, you know, right. that you, 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 you got the best present you ever got. But then you get, sometimes you get things and even though they're good and you, you kind of knew you were going to get them ahead of time and it's not as big a surprise. So it's not, you know, you don't have that same feeling of how special it is. And like, like those last three games of, of the 2014 season were amazing and incredible. And, and like, you know, myself and Ramsey and other people have all written stories about in the off season about how it's not going to feel like that. This is just right. You, you're, you're, you're on, on this high. It feels really great. You, we all had a great time and it's not like that every year. And you have to, you have to snap out of it and remember that every year is its own thing. And, I think we all all wanted the team to be as good as it was the year before, and it it didn't ever you know really click like it did, with the exception of maybe you know the Virginia Tech game was pretty good, uh, the Rutgers game and the Michigan game were the three games really that stood out as as the the team looking like they were capable of playing, right. and we didn't we didn't get that on a week to week basis, um, but you know I learned early on like when we we had our Hawaii. Hawaii dubcast uh, where it's like I'm not going to worry about it. It's I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to the team is what it is. It might struggle, but as long as they're yeah. going to win, I'll enjoy them and I'll take them for what they are, which is this is a 2015 team, not the 2014 team. Right. Well, I got to tell you something. I'm actually because of that maybe I'm looking forward to next year as well when the team has like no expectations and you know so many you know so many new faces, so many players are leaving. I'm actually really excited for that because I want to see how Urban Meyer deals with having to restructure a team that, you know, was pretty pretty solid for the past couple of years. I mean, you you've got to add a lot of moving parts to it to make that thing keep running and so I'm I'm really excited to see how he does that. Uh of course, unless he, you know, ends up being the coach of the Cleveland Browns, which, you know, obviously could happen. <laughs> yeah, obviously. The uh, largest the largest salary in NFL history. Yeah, blank check. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be it's cool to see. It, it'll be cool to see how the team responds next year, and, and it's going to be a young team, and there's going to be a lot of butt hurt from the fans that you know are used to Ohio State showing up and beating people. The team will probably lose a couple of games, probably a game or two that it shouldn't lose yeah. and or doesn't ordinarily lose, and you're just going to have to deal with that while these younger players get seasoning because. Um, one thing that I think that we've seen over the last two years is that, and, and I always thought that Trestle was a guy who was like loyal to almost to a fault. I think Meyer has picked that up a little bit, where I think he sometimes has played older players to the detriment of of younger, more athletic, more talented players. And and you know there, you got to walk a little bit of a tightrope because you don't want to lose the locker room or have you know resentment build up or have you know factions. But at the same time, you still got to do what's right for the team. And I think that maybe I would have expected a little bit more play from some of the younger guys over the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see how that kind of works out because you kind of always expected that Urban Meyer would be the shark and he would just, you know, I'm playing anybody who's the best. And that really, you know, he's still a football coach. There's certain loyalties there that he's not going to get rid of and, yeah, I agree with that, and that's again why next season's so exciting because it does truly feel like it's just open season on, you know, positions and I mean, outside of quarterback, like you don't know who's necessarily going to be starting. So that should be mm-hmm. kind of cool to follow. 
I would have liked to have seen, like, for example, I would have liked to have seen him unleash Mike Weber in the Michigan State game if he wasn't going to use Zeke. Uh, (laughs) Unleash Weber. What the hell? Um, What do you think of, uh, obviously, we're losing a coach. We're going to have to do another uh, assistant coach replacement. Yeah. uh, I mean, I talked about this on a roundtable, right? And my feeling on that is, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to split duties anymore. You know what I mean? There, there's no co. There should be no co coordinators. I, I think that's silly. I think that's counterproductive, and I don't think that I don't think that leads to any type of cohesion on the team. So what I would say is just see if Fick can hack it. I mean, if, if Luke Fickle is ever going to be anything more than just a glorified position coach, next year's the season to figure that out. So I say bump him up. Um, pray to God you don't lose Warner. <laughs> Uh, but I I think that's what you got to do. I think you have to ride or die with Fickle at this point. And then if he sucks, then then fine. But maybe you got to just fire him and hope you find somebody else. Because I like I said, I I hate the idea of splitting those duties. Uh, you need one philosophy. You don't need too many voices in the room on that side of the ball. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is really co. I wonder how much of it is. I'm going to call you co coordinator. So yeah, pad your resume and makes you look better, more attractive for other jobs. Because I I know that those guys come in and they have they have a you know definition of this is what your responsibilities are. Each guy has their own. Now on offense, it kind of changed as the season went because things weren't going well. But um, it'll be interesting to see who they tap to replace uh, Ash because Ash did a really nice job for Ohio State. Um, and if it doesn't go smoothly, well, let's see if people turn on him like they did Tim Beck because um, Beck is seems to get the entirety of the brunt of, of Ohio State <laughs> fan wrath. Right. I'm not saying it's not deserved. I'm not, I'm saying I don't know if it's deserved because I know that, right. and you and I talked about this, I think Urban Meyer took a little bit of the heat for his assistance after the Michigan State game, but I've also been heard behind the scenes that, that you know, Urban did do quite a bit of play calling in that game. Yeah, so, I mean, you're right. I mean, it is something that's going to have to shake out because we don't really know the full story. And, again, that's what next year provides the opportunity for. Mm-hmm. Um, they still obviously have a Fiesta Bowl to play. We're going to talk way more about that as we lead up to it. But just some things to think about. Uh, real quick, let's do Ask Us Anything. we only got a few questions this week. Um, mm-hmm. You guys can ask us anything by sending us an email uh, to dubcast at 11warriors.com or on Twitter um, at 11dubcast. All right, so... Uh, what is our question on Twitter? Do we have one or two questions on Twitter? Uh, we have one question on Twitter from Tim Orvap, who would like to know okay. which is the uh, Johnny, which is the best version of a Christmas Carol? Is it Scrooge? Is it Mickey's? Is it Clive Donner's? Muppets. 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 You going with you're not going with close. Muppets? Muppets, not even close. Okay. Sorry. I, I do like the Muppets. Whoa. I do. Uh, um, I do like the Muppets, and uh, but I will say I love Scrooge. Scrooge is fantastic. Scrooge That's is probably my good. favorite. It, Scrooge is the one that I will watch more often than any of the others if they're on TV. But of course, um, Christmas Story also a classic, and that's not the you know it's not the same obviously not the same story. Uh, but as long as we're talking <laughs> Christmas movies, uh, I still think my favorite Christmas movie is Gremlins or Die Hard. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily... I mean, look, I love Die Hard. Die Hard's amazing. I don't know that I would necessarily count it as a Christmas movie, but... It's a it's Christmas movie. Close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a Christmas party going on. It's it's close. Um, Muppet's Christmas Carol I really love. Uh, I went to a bar with Denny um, several years ago, and we would not stop singing the... We're Marley and Marley. Like, I love that song. So much. I love all the songs. I, li- I like the Christmas present song. I love that. I think that's great. Um, I also like the version of uh, Christmas Carol that I really like is where Patrick Stewart plays Scrooge. That is really good, too. I enjoy that quite a bit. Just because I like Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that one's pretty good. And I guess if there's any... I'm trying to think if there's any other Christmas movies that I really, really like... I mean, everybody likes a Christmas story, but I've seen it a gajillion times, you know, by now. So I don't know. I'll have to think about that one. Maybe we just get a little closer. I'll have to to recap some of them, or maybe somebody can send in their suggestions. Uh, we do have a yeah. question on emails from Alvin Lim. Uh, Alvin okay. asks us, 
if you could have anyone not named Urban Meyer as a guest podcaster, who would it be and why, Michael? Like anybody? Anybody. Anybody. Wow. Do they, they have to be alive? Can it be like past, you know, people that uh, are no, no longer let's, with us? Let's keep it to uh, alive people. People who are currently living. Um, I would say comedian Brian Regan, who would be a great podcaster. Ooh. He would be good. he'd be hilarious. I, I would I would enjoy uh, yeah I'd enjoy podcasting with him. I don't know if I could handle being a, a co-host with Urban because he would be so intense. I don't know if I could deal with that. Yeah, he's a he's a very intense dude. I, I don't know that I could I don't know that I'd be able to have an actual conversation with Urban Meyer. I feel like that that would not work out super well for us. Uh, who would I have? I would let's I mean, I think it would be pretty funny to talk with like. Uh, <laughs> Werner Herzog about Ohio State sports. I think that would be pretty good. Just with his his accent, mm-hmm. that would be pretty good. Um, I was just thinking of German accents. First name that pops in my mind was Henry Kissinger, but he's kind of a turd. Mm. Um, Michael Bennett would be a great co-host. Michael Bennett would be an excellent co-host. I think he would be very funny. If you're talking about just like current, you know, alive um, Ohio State players, I mean, Michael Bennett is super high up on that list for me. That would be really cool. Mm-hmm. So if we can, you know, if I can, I can get that bronchitis to work a little harder on you, Michael. We'll, we'll get <laughs> Mr. Bennett in here. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't I think know. You've, you've been you've been poisoning me uh, via the internet. Sorry, sorry. You got the Johnny. Yeah, Captain Trips is in full effect. <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I would say I don't know. I mean, Michael Bennett would be a good choice. I, that's a hard. That's a hard question. If you're talking about like actual podcasters, I think Mark Maron would be interesting. Would not talk about football or sports, period. Yeah. But I think we'd have. Plan, there, there's so. just so many good people you could you could tap for that. I mean, uh, I know, agree, and none of which like, would actually come on the dubcast. John Oliver, John Oliver would be great. John Oliver would be awesome. Um, Stephen Colbert would be awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. All right, well, thank you very much for writing in, guys. Uh, it's kind of slim pickings this week, but I understand you guys are a little a little sad, a little a little depressed. Um, but go ahead and keep writing in, keep sending us those questions and, and we'll keep answering them. Yeah. And buck up little campers. <laughs> All right. Joining us this week, as he does every week during the football season is our good friend, Matt Finkus with Finkus on football. Thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. Always a pleasure, fellas. Well, I am, you know, I would like to be talking about the big 10 championship game. Obviously, you know, we can't talk about in the context of Ohio state being there, um, I do kind of want maybe get your macro opinion on that, just in terms of like the Big Ten overall. And I, there's been a lot of talk about the way the playoff shook out, and obviously, you know, Ohio State's upcoming Fiesta Bowl and uh, Notre, opponent Notre Dame. So I guess the first thing that I kind of want to talk with you about is maybe that Big Ten championship game and how the playoffs played out. Some people feel that Ohio State got slighted a little bit. Do, do you feel that way? No, I, I don't. I, I think that. Yeah. You know they they didn't play up to potential all season. Um, they they lost a, a crucial game to to a good team, and, and they weren't they didn't put themselves in the right position to, uh, to to you know get the benefit of the doubt. I think that you know if if you go through and and you're beating everybody sixty three to ten throughout the course of the year, and then you drop a game to Michigan State, you know, in a driving rainstorm by a last second field goal, then you'd have an argument maybe. But you know they didn't look good. Um, you know, all year long. I mean, they, they looked good in the very first game of the year, and they looked good in the very last game of the year. And the other ten in between, they didn't, you know, look up to the to, to what we expected of them or what the committee or anybody expected of them. So I don't think that, that you can expect to get the benefit of the doubt at that point. You can't just go in and, and you know win one game at the end of the year and think that's going to save you. Um, just because it did last year, just you know that that's that was a long shot, and 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 I think that the, that the committee made the right choice. I, I just um, you know for for the fans that think that we still deserve deserved a shot to be in, I I just don't see it. I mean I mean I I think that the that the four teams that that are in are, are are pretty deserving teams, and and I think that you know you've got to win your conference. I mean if, if there's only a four team playoff, and there's five major conferences, and you don't win a conference. Uh, that, that, that's a tough, tough argument to make. Uh, you know, I mean, let alone getting in uh, over, you know, one 
conference champion in the pack in the pack 12 who didn't get a team in now you now you are expecting to get in over two different conference champions and it's just it's it's never going to happen matt uh i wanted to ask you this why are some teams uh penalized for winning games close and other teams are celebrated for it um i want to i would i would say that um if you look at the way the committee voted uh, it seems like they put a lot of stock in the way Iowa played against Michigan State, whereas, and then they were they were obviously placed ahead of Ohio State. Whereas Ohio State played some close games they weren't expected to. Iowa won close games that they were maybe not expected to win. Why does one team get the benefit of the doubt in beating teams, let's say like you know, the entire Big Ten West? Um, mm-hmm. in close games, and another team is penalized for, for beating teams uh, by less than they should. Why, why do you think that happens? You know, I don't know, uh, to, to be honest with you. I, I don't really know why the committee, you know, well, first of all, let me say this. Aside from the top four, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, whether we're going to the Rose Bowl or the Bowl, I, I think is more of a of a commentary on um, on the matchups that, that those bowls wanted to have happen or, or that would have been more financially beneficial for those bowls than it is uh, on, on who is really a true ranking in, in spots five through 10. I, I think that you put Iowa in the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame and they're probably not going to travel as well. Um, I, I think that, that, you know, they, they look at that and they say, you know, Iowa is going to, to travel for the, for the Rose Bowl. That's still a marquee bowl for them. That's, that's a good matchup for them. And Ohio State, you know, we know they're going to travel well wherever they go, so it doesn't really matter where we put them. Uh, I honestly think that it was more of that than, than you know, where those losses came and when they occurred. Now, now the uh, the interesting thing to me, though, is is the committee still stuck in a little bit of the old way of thinking in when these losses occur in the season. And, and that, to me, is, is more intriguing than anything else. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, not, not speaking of Ohio State maybe in, in particular, but – um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you can you can compare Ohio State and their loss, you know, in the second to last game of the year. You've got Alabama and, and a loss in game two. You know, it, right. and, we, and, and we were the beneficiaries of that of, of that system last year where we lost early and were able to make a run and, and go, you know, go to the to the playoffs and eventually win the national championship game. But, you know, you even look at uh, I mean, and Florida ended up getting beat, but then I guess, you know, Stanford you know, didn't have a great showing either. So, so you you look at those two teams. Uh, you know, Stanford loses early, and and to not some ranked teams, and uh, Florida, you know, is, is losing late, and and all of a sudden, you know, same record, virtually, you know, same. Uh, I think actually uh, more ranked wins for for Florida than than for Stanford, and and they're like twelve spots apart in the in the rankings. I, I just I think it's so odd that the one flaw that I still see in the system is that it still matters when you lose more than who you lose to and and how that how that how that loss and, and the wins that you have over the body of work of your season. If there, if there was one thing that I could change about the current playoff system, it would be that they don't put any rankings out at all until they tell you that there are four teams. I mean, and I know it's TV. I know that that that's you know, a big factor of why they do those weekly rankings. But I think that it's still a big flaw in the system that when you lose, what date you lose on is, is a huge factor in, in how you're viewed as a football team. I mean, if you lose in, in August or in September, it's better than if you lose in November. And that, that, that to me is just, it's, it's insane. And I think that's the, that's the one major flaw. You know, like I said, other than that, I don't see the committee – uh, really putting that much stock into where five and ten, five through ten roll out. I, I think that they probably, and, and I don't know this for a fact, obviously, and I'm sure they would deny it if they were ever asked. But I think that 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 the Rose Bowl committee wanted Iowa, and 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 they think that 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 would have been uh, the best draw for Iowa to go to. And so you, you, they like knew you that would they were say that over Ohio State team, and they put them in. So you'd say well, that no, over Ohio I, State. I think that, no, I, not that Iowa would draw more than Ohio State, but that Iowa would draw to the Rose Bowl, and they wouldn't draw to some if they were going to some of the other. Oh, places. I see what you're saying. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So, so, so I yeah, think I think on. that they were cognizant of that, 
and that's why they left them uh, at five as a higher ranking team. They knew the what the Rose Bowl's criteria was for selection, and and, and they knew that they wanted them there. I mean, there, there's there's still a, a lot a lot of money that floats around those bowl games, and, and I and I think that we'd be naive to think that. Uh, you know, the committee didn't take that into account when they're making you know some of those rankings and knowing where those teams are going to fall. Well, so let's talk about that bowl game uh, that Ohio State is in real quick. I mean, they play, you know, Notre Dame, a team that's sustained an enormous amount of injuries this year. And I think to your point, you know, that's a team that's looked at differently because of when they lost and kind of how they lost. Um, oh, how yeah, do you think that, that game matches up? I think we match up really well with them. I think that if you look at the strength of Notre Dame, it's, you know, even with all the injuries, it's still their skill players. It's still, you know, the, the, the wide receivers on the outside. Uh, and, and I think that we match up really well with them in that regards. Their defensive line is not nearly as good as the defensive line that was there the last couple of years. So I think that, uh, you know, we'd be able to run the ball against them pretty, pretty effectively. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a really good matchup for Ohio State just because of what our strengths are as far as skill players and running the football. That's kind of the weakness. You know, the Notre Dame's strength is going to be their secondary. So they're probably going to be able to put nine or ten in the box and, and you know, try to dare us to run. But, uh, you know, it shouldn't be raining in, uh, in, in Phoenix. And so we should be able to throw the football. It should be okay. El Nino, man. Urban, Know. Yeah, it, we should be able to throw because there's no rain involved. But, uh, yeah, I think that we match up really well with Notre Dame. I think that, that if you look at, at what Ohio State does well as far as being able to rush for uh, and, and, and match up well on the outside with their skill players, I think that, that it's a good matchup for us. Matt, when you look at the season as a whole and you look at the players on the team, you know, they, they didn't accomplish their goals of, of uh, you know, winning the Big Ten or getting to the – college football championship uh, playoff there. Um, how does – what's the challenge for the players, especially those who may be entertaining the the notion of, of going to the NFL after their junior years? How do they regroup and get up for a game that maybe they're disappointed to be in? You know, I think that, that um, there's going to be motivation there from the team. And I, and I think Urban – you know, this is what Urban does really, really well, is, is, is he motivates – exceedingly well he's able to motivate a team when when um when things aren't going their way when, when it's that us against them. i mean i think that he's a master at, at, at playing the us against the world card and right now you know they, they can try to make the argument of you know they were slighted they're the defending champs they were a one-loss team and and you know that we should have had a chance to defend our title you know all those different things and I think that they're going to have something to prove and, and they're going to go out there and play like that. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be hard for those guys to get up for uh, you know, the guys who are leaving. Um, you know, Joey Bosa's played like an animal all year long and he's known that he's been leaving since last summer. So it's not like, you know, he didn't pull the Jadavian clowning. That, that guy's been playing hard and he knows that he's going, he knew he, he was going to the NFL at the end of last season, you know, same thing for Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Zeke knew he was gone, you know, probably in training camp and, and he played exceedingly well. You know, I think the interesting thing, when you talk about the, the guys who could leave, it's going to be, uh, you know, I was talking with someone about this the other day, Darren Lee, Von Bell are going to be the two that, that I'm going to have my eye on because I think they're both 50, 50 guys, whether they go or whether they come back. Um, you know, Darren Lee, I think it could, could benefit from staying another year, putting on a little bit more weight. I think that would help his draft stock. Um, you know, Von Bell, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty weak safety class, uh, you know, for the draft this year. So he might have an opportunity. I think that's why guys like Eli Apple also might take a look at it. Um, but I think that those guys would, would both benefit by coming back. Uh, I think Mike Thomas is gone. I think that Mike Thomas will be a first round draft pick. Um, but, yeah. but that'll be interesting to see how, how those guys, uh, you know, view that. Cause I, again, I, I think Darren Lee, Von Bell are two guys that, that I'm going to watch very carefully that I think could go either way. I think, I think they would both benefit by coming back for another year, but I could both see them, you know, getting that draft grade back from the NFL, probably saying, you know, rounds two or three and, and, and taking a shot at it. You know what? I actually want to get your perspective on that real quick because, that seems to be like the major factor in a lot of these decisions, right? Like if they get a high, you know, draft grade, then that's that's pretty much cements it. But for how many, I mean, how many players do you think that actually maybe they're 
thought process is more like I want to stay and finish school. Like how how much of a consideration is that? Do you think for some guys? Uh, you mean for finishing school or for yeah. for coming back and improving? Um, you know, you know, Ohio State does a great job, and the, and the players know that with with getting those guys back, even guys that leave early or the guys that, that you know, I'm one of them that didn't complete their their degree. I, I never redshirted, so I essentially was in school basically for three three years and a quarter. Um, right. And so you know, I had to come back and get my degree. And Ohio State has a program for that. And they, they really encourage guys to come back and, and get that degree and get that diploma. And a lot, a lot, a lot of them do. Uh, you know, to, to, to the credit of the, of the student athlete support services, uh, guys like, uh, you know, Larry Romanoff, who's been there for like 30 years, John Macca, who's been in that, in that role for like 30 years, they really are on those guys to come back and, and finish and get their degrees, even if they play in the NFL for, for five or six years. So I don't know if that's, if that's the major concern for those guys. Um, more so than getting that draft grade back, and not just getting the draft grade back, but, but is, is there an opportunity to improve on that? So if you're getting that that report back and it's saying, you know, rounds two and three, but you know, for a guy like Darren Lee, for example, can can he put on 15, 20 pounds of muscle working with Mickey Murata in the off season? You know, he we know he's going to have another good year. Can, can he keep up that speed, put on a little bit extra weight? and then get himself into a possible late first round, early second round. Because you know, those signing bonuses are, are, I mean, that's that's what you're really looking for in the draft. Right. The contract is pretty much, um, you know, pretty pretty much slotted in to, to what, you're, what money you're going to get. It's that guaranteed money. And, and, the, and from the third round, you know, first round to third round is night and day. I mean, you're talking millions of dollars in guaranteed money there. So I think when those guys look at that, that's what they should be looking at is, you know, if I come back, what is my upside? You know, I mean, for, for a guy like Ryan Chazier, you know, it, it, it turned into, I can't get any better. You know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to improve anymore on, on, on the resume that I have out there. So I'm going to go. You know, that, that was the thing that the argument that I had with Cardell Jones last year. I mean, at the end of last year, you had that mystery. You had that mystique. You had three games on film, which you played okay. You didn't play great, but you won. And, and, and you, you know, you were big in the game. You know he's going to work out well. And because you're not reading defenses or anything, you're just throwing the football, and, and that he can do, and and he would have had a great shot. And and now you know the the, the scouts are going to pick him apart. They're, they've got all that game tape on him. They're going to watch and and just analyze to death on it. And you know you you've got to be able to if you're going to leave or if you're going to come back, it's you know when you're at that point, it's not about you know completing your degree anymore because you know you're going to go play in the NFL. Uh, if you're thinking early and you're getting a you know a third round draft grade or better, you know you're going to play in the NFL for probably three or four years, enough to get you know into the pension program, which is the main goal. So, you know, can you improve on that guaranteed money? And I think that's what those guys need to be looking at. You know, is, is a guy like Von Bell going to be able to come back and benefit enough to improve that draft stock to get up into a late first round, early second round, or is he still going to be a second or third round? Yeah third round guys. I think that's what these guys are going to look at and that's what they need to look at hard. So that's, that's going to be the interesting thing with, with some of, you know, I mean, guys like Bosa and Mike Thomas and Zeke, you know, I mean, they're, they are what they are, you know I mean? They, they, there's really no benefit for them coming back. They're not going to get any better or any higher on the draft boards than they are right now. But for right. guys like Darren Lee, you know, Von Bell, uh, those kind of Eli Apple, those kind of guys, I think that, that you're talking about mid round guys that, they need to look and say, and, and, and that might be where they fall. You know, they come back for another year and they might still be in that position. Um, and, and that might be the case, I think, with an Eli Apple. But, again, I think Darren Lee's the one that, that I, I kind of focus on here because, again, he's an undersized guy a little bit. He's very fast. He's very skilled. But can he put on 15 pounds and, and move him up into that, you know, top five linebacker category? Yeah, or even, I mean, like, you know, change positions or drop into safety or something like that, like some other guys have been asked to do. Or, you know, I mean, you know, Malcolm Jenkins had, you know, a really successful career moving to a different position. Oh, uh, sure. But yeah. it's moving I mean, up. They're, they're, so, yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, kind of evolves, right? Because NFL teams definitely don't look at college players the same way that maybe their college teams do, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting. No, absolutely. To see. I think, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, this this team is could could very well look enormously different next year. Oh yeah, yeah, it will. I mean, you're, you're talking. <laughs> no kidding. You're talking. 
uh, about, I mean, and I think the wide receiver position, you know, we were hurt by so many injuries. You get some of those guys back right. and I think you're going to be okay there. You know, I'm not really worried about the stable of running backs. I think those guys are going to be okay as well. But you look at the at, at the secondary with, with with losing both safeties and possibly a corner out of that group. That's going to be that's going to be interesting. Probably your best cover linebacker in Darren Lee. That, that that could be a very interesting scenario for this team. Yeah. Well, Matt, I got to tell you something. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on and talking with us. We'll definitely have to have you on before the uh, Fiesta Bowl. We'll talk a little more Notre Dame. But uh, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Anytime, guys. Always a pleasure. All righty. So joining us tonight is Taylor Rooks, a Big Ten Network analyst and uh, correspondent. Thank you so much for coming on. You forgot quarterback, but yes. thank you for having me. Dual, dual threat. <laughs> dual threat quarterback. Yes. <laughs> we only, Ohio State, we only have dual threat quarterbacks. Exactly. And we don't have starting quarterbacks. We only have backup quarterbacks. We don't, it's like, um, oh man, it's like, I was about, it's a Lord of the Rings reference, but it's like where you don't have an actual king. You just have the steward. You just have somebody waiting for somebody to come up <laughs> and take it over. So, I don't know. Next exactly. year, Exactly. And I was waiting for Coach Meyer to call me to come into the game, and he never did. So. <laughs> are, you right. saying, are you saying that Taylor is the steward of Gondor? Is that what you're trying to say? That's, that's the joke <laughs> I was trying to make, yes. It's pretty bad, uh, but that's what I was <laughs> um, Okay, so I have a bunch of questions for you. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really glad we could have you on because – you know, the work that you do, I mean, you guys, God, you guys do so much work covering all aspects of the Big Ten, and I just think that's unbelievable, the, the volume of, of uh, work that you guys have to do. I, I just want to get your general thoughts on how you thought, you know, the Big Ten season played out, and were you surprised at the final two teams that were kind of left standing uh, in the Big Ten championship game this year? I definitely was. I think that everybody, you know, kind of once it came around, wanted to be like, oh, I knew Michigan State had it in them. But I definitely thought it was going to be Ohio State. I, and I still, to this day, think that Ohio State has the most talent in the Big Ten, but they yeah. weren't playing as the best team. And, I mean, that is just the fact of the matter. No joke, they have some, some gems on that defense. But the interesting thing about Iowa is, I mean, their players look like, they could be playing, and this is not a knock to them, but, I mean, they look like they could be playing in high school. Like, they're not overly huge guys, you know. They're not guys that look like freak athletes. They're just fundamentally sound, and that's what got them to Indianapolis. Well, Taylor, the more interesting thing is that once every four years, Kirk Ferentz, like a phoenix, rises from the ashes and collects another <laughs> Big Ten Coach of the Year trophy. Right. And and he just did it again. Um Taylor, one thing is, uh, since we had you on last, obviously, I've uh, I followed you very closely on Twitter. And one thing that has struck me is that you're one of those, obviously you work for the Big Ten Network, but you're one of those media people who is not drinking the SEC Kool-Aid in terms of, like, I've seen a lot of your responses on Twitter, uh, you know, basically saying, you know, how can you say the SEC is so great when you, when you look at these results and you look at how many teams are in the uh, top ten and all this stuff? Right. I honestly do think that is changing. I, I truly do. I think it would be hard to the fact that the Big Ten wasn't the best conference in football this season, especially at the end. I mean, the Big Ten owned four, five, and six in the poll, you know, that came out before the championship games were played. That in itself was amazing. We were the only conference that even had an outside shot of getting to win. Obviously, they needed a lot of outside help for that to happen. But the Big Ten was the only conference that could even have that conversation. And as far as the SEC goes, that is just kind of the lay of the land right now. But I do think the perception of, of them is changing. Um, and I'm from Georgia, so I've always grown up with everybody thinking SEC is the best. But everyone wants to go back to their championships back and how they have so many of those championships. But I'm like, they would have also had a championship last year if we didn't convert to this system, if we didn't convert to the playoff system. You wouldn't have seen these Big Ten teams playing. Mm -hmm. So I, that in itself to me is skewed. It's not that I think the SEC is bad, but they just get way too much credit. And that it, it honestly annoys me. Like It's something <laughs> that genuinely annoys me that they are just made out to be the god of college football. Mm -hmm. So I do think that that is changing. I'm happy that it's changing. I don't think it's fair that if the SEC has a bottom team beat a top team, everybody talks about how strong the SEC is. But 
when it, it happens in any other conference, it's like the conferences have been having a good year. The narrative is always different for the SEC. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that is changing, definitely. So, you know, kind of, again, looking at the Big Ten season as a whole, um, what was maybe your favorite, favorite moment from, like, the entire, the entire season from any team? Favorite moment? Uh, there were so many good ones. I would say I'm going to go with Michigan State beating Michigan just because I still can I still cannot believe this that happened. Like those are the things that you think could happen in a movie or in a dream. <laughs> then when it actually happens. I, I still, honestly, to this day, cannot believe that that happened. Everybody was, oh, I had tweets ready about Michigan State defeating, or Michigan beating Michigan State and how they were back and all this, and then <laughs> that happened. And it was it was amazing. I mean, it, it really was. I didn't have a dog in the fight or anything, but that win was just amazing. And, of course, now, of course, how Michigan State has, hasn't led into the final seconds, like in three games, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, that was a good moment. I don't think I've laughed more at a football game play ever than I laughed that day at, at that punt debacle for Michigan. And I know yeah. people, people, have, <laughs> people have thrown that in my face saying, well, if they would have got the punt off, then Ohio State would have been in the championship game. It, I don't care. It's still funny. <laughs> one, thing right. that, one thing doesn't negate the other. It's still funny. Um, yeah, but I mean, even saying that, it is crazy how these little plays that completely jumbled up the day. You know, that play, so Michigan State got the win, and then if Michigan State had beat Nebraska, then the East race would have been done before they played Penn State. And it was just all of these little things that kind of weren't supposed to happen are what shaped what happened, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, even little things like when, you know, Jake Rue got transferred until he went to Michigan, CJ Beth was able to take over. For Iowa, if that didn't happen, good chance Iowa wouldn't be the West Division champs. Good chance, you know, Michigan wouldn't have won, you know, as many games as they did. It's just all of these things happen, and it, it completely changed the landscape this season. I think it's it's cool to look back on. Let me ask you this. Um, are you surprised that with all the coaching hires, they ended up all going with coordinators, um, Illinois and Minnesota, with their interim coaches, and, and Maryland and Rutgers hiring the defensive coordinators from other schools? So I actually talked about this on our radio show today. Um, I think that, if anything, it says something very good about Ohio State and Michigan and the way that the hierarchy of the Big Ten is because those schools wanted to have a piece of Ohio State and then, you know, Maryland wanted to have a piece of Michigan Mm -hmm. because they see that that is the standard. They want to bring whatever's going on there to their school. So I'm not at all surprised that, it's coordinators, but what is going to be interesting is the fact that they're defensive coordinators, and whoever they choose as their or as their, their OC, as now that they're the head coach, is going to be very, very important because a lot of times defensive coordinators get stuck for them that, you know, I, I know what is hard for a defense, so I am going to shape my offense around that. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> you need to just have an offensive system because you aren't all knowing as as far as what. You know, it's hard for defenses, but a lot of times DCs do think that. Oh, I actually think Durkin said something like that in his conference. It was it was either Durkin or Chris Ash. But yeah, I'm not necessarily surprised that they're hiring the coordinator. I think what I'm more surprised with is um, maybe keeping plays and keeping Cuba. Not that they shouldn't have done it, but it just seems like Illinois is keeping Cuba, but they're not really backing him. The things that they're saying about having him be their hire very encouraging and I love coach you but I think he is a great guy he is the nicest guy you will ever meet but it's not like they're keeping him because they think that he's going to win 80,000 games for Illinois they're keeping him because they just think it was the best thing right now that would be a record yeah that that would be a record (laughs) you know so it's it's definitely interesting but I think that Right now, that was the best move for Illinois just because there's a lot of coaching vacancies. They don't have an AD. You know, nobody wants to go to a school. They don't know who their boss is going to be. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're going to make a decision, you need to be firm in that decision and be very confident in the decision you made. And they're just not doing that with Coach Kubit. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Uh, just 
the expectations game at some of the lower tier Big Ten teams in terms of like their their football prowess because you because you're right. I mean it's it's it seems like a move of convenience maybe more than like kind of reaching for the stars a little bit. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. So, you know, the Big Ten got into ten bowl games this season, which I mean you could argue that maybe a couple of those are not deserved. <laughs> um, yeah. We so could get into eight slash ten. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess my question is, do you think that, all, you know, the Big Ten can kind of match what they were able to do last year? Because really last year, I, I think, is what reversed that narrative of the Big Ten being weak and kind of this, you know, national laughing stock. And they put in such a strong postseason performance, including like some really big upsets that people did not expect from them. Do you think they're yeah. going to be able to continue that this year? I hope because see. Obviously, it's good that the Big Ten has 10 teams in bowl games, but it's going to be about winning the right bowl game. Like, even if the Big right. Ten emerges out of the postseason winning mm, seven out of three or six out of four, that won't matter if it wasn't the bowl games that mattered. You know, they've got to get the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, you know, of course, the Cotton Bowl. It has to be those pinnacle bowl games that, we, that the Big Ten has to get wins in for this narrative to continue of the Big Ten being a really good conference. It can't be what is it, the Foster Farms Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl. <laughs> oh, no. It would be great. Pinstripe. Yeah, it's got to be the Pinstripe yeah, you Bowl. Know. <laughs> It'll be great to get those wins, but it's like the top people of the conference have to show that they are the top or it, it just won't pan out the way that Big Ten fans are hoping that it does. So, with that in mind, what are your predictions for, uh, let's say, Stanford, Iowa, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Michigan State, Alabama? Now, I'm not exactly sure my predictions right now. I need to, like, watch Stanford more. I feel like I watch so much Big Ten that I haven't got a chance to really watch Stanford. <laughs> I've watched some Alabama. Um, but I will say, I think that Michigan State has a better shot and matching up at Alabama than I think people think that they do. Michigan State just has such a good defensive line, and Alabama's bread and butter is Derrick Henry. I mean, he carries yeah. the ball like 90 times in their last game. Oh, he's the bread. He's the times. butter. The bread, the butter, yeah, the Yeah, he's the table. He's everything. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is everything. So I, I don't like when people say things like, well, if they just shut down Derrick Henry, they'll win. But if they can contain him, that chance increases heavily. Derrick Henry makes that offense move. He makes them what what they are. And so I, I do think Michigan State has a very realistic shot at coaching Alabama. And I have been very vocal about this. The whole tip on the shoulder thing sometimes bothers me that it's you so much. But they have proven that they do thrive when they are the underdog and they do thrive when they do think people aren't convinced that they aren't going to win. Um, so I think they have that going for them as well. I'm going to actually pick Michigan State to win that game. Um, and like I said, I have to watch more Stanford before I choose that game. But uh, I'm going to go with Michigan State in the Cotton Bowl. Excellent. So what about what about those other two games? So Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yes, uh, and yeah, I'm going to go with Ohio State in that. Yes. And what is the other one I am forgetting? You have chosen wisely. So Iowa <laughs> no, yeah, and I think, uh, Stanford. Yeah, Iowa Stanford. I can't pick yet. Um, I I mean I think that Nebraska is going to really lose. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean I hope that they don't, but that is just. I mean, oh, come on, they beat Michigan State, so they can do it. Um, <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I think it will be a very exciting uh, exciting bowl team. but I also want to say I know we talked about the the bowl team the teams that are going to bowls because they have five and seven record mm-hmm. but there are positives to that I think I tweeted about this I have no problem celebrating a team that is going somewhere because of academics I think that it's great they chose the teams based on their academic progress ratings because mm-hmm, right. what that shows is, you know, Nebraska's doing the better. Minnesota's doing better. And that is something that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. So even though yeah, it's, I think that's a good criteria. They, yeah. You know, even though they're, they're not going because they're the 85 Bears, they're still <laughs> going. And I think that that's really good for them. 
Do you think yeah. that Michigan State should use their third-string quarterback? <laughs> well, I want to know when we're going to know if Connor is going to be completely healthy to do this because there's no way he was completely healthy in the Big Ten Championship. But no. Like, I don't know. I know this may hurt, but I had said this after that game. It's like Michigan State, Ohio State at Ohio State in that game with their quarterback. So... <laughs> I don't know. Using their 13 quarterback may not be that bad of an idea if it's a Cardale somewhere for the Starns, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> in the minority because I kind of wanted to see an injured Connor Cook play instead of uh, a healthy backup because Ohio State against backup quarterbacks this year struggled a little bit. I don't know if it was if it was you know something with their mindset where they relaxed a little bit or what it was, but Tyler O'Connor. Uh, he threw some really good balls in that game against Michigan State. I mean, yeah, he, he threw he, some he, great yeah. passes. And you would not expect somebody, you know, to come off the bench in that kind of con- those kind of conditions in that big of a game and, and play as well as he did. And, and true that he didn't have to throw a lot in the second half. They ran the ball a lot. But, you know, when he did have to make a play, he, he made one. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's, it's, that's kudos to all of them. That is, I think, great. Teams that have the money that can always step up and leave them, it shows that they re- like a lot of teams really do have that next man up mentality, and I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, that's something that I thought about a lot, actually, with regards to Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State, I just feel like the, the fans, the team, the coaches just feel more comfortable when we're disrespected and you're the underdog and you've got to grind something out. Mm-hmm. It's just more fun that way. I mean, you like playing the spoiler, yeah. so. That's I think that's the silver lining I'm looking for in the the Fiesta Bowl because I really do not like Brian Kelly and I <laughs> really relish the idea that we can make him very upset on New Year's so that should be fun. <laughs> Good yeah I mean I don't know I just think for Ohio State it's going to be difficult because not to win that game but just right. because I don't know they all obviously their goal was a national championship. Yeah, and that just has to be hard to have to watch the team that beat you go after that goal. I mean, I just that that just has to be hard. Even when I saw Tyvis Powell tweeting during the Big Ten Championship, he was like, "It's just now hitting me that we're not in Indianapolis." Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. They they truly believe that that is where they were going to be, and it's just like I said, Ohio State has the most talent in the Big Ten, and if they were just able to make it hit on all cylinders. It would have worked. I mean, they even would have been better off losing to, what, Virginia Tech in the beginning or losing <laughs> yeah. to Indiana, you know? Yeah. And, like, you know, you got to lose, lose early. <laughs> you can't right. lose late. That's exactly right. Yeah, like know? Alabama so, did, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it's just – and that is the one kind of bone I have to pick with the whole system. It's just, like, so because I lost to Michigan State at the end, I don't get to be where Alabama is because they lost to – a way worse team in the beginning. It's just I don't I don't like that part of it. But <laughs> you and Matt yeah, Finkus both. Matt Finkus said the yeah, same you got to talk to him. That's the exact same thing. he said too. Yeah, it's like that's that's so ridiculous to me. And uh, whatever. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's a fair point. Uh, I mean, I guess you know, Ohio State fans get, can't get maybe too greedy, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting approach to the Fiesta Bowl. But I'm sure Urban Meyer will be able to to motivate the team into getting super angry at something. So that should be yeah. good. And I, mean, um, I, kind Taylor, of, I have a, I guess a question for, for you guys, because oh, I know you it. guys follow the Buckeyes, you know, very closely, mm-hmm. but yeah. as far as next year, I mean, what is that looking like? <laughs> uh, I like, I, we were actually talking about this a little earlier. I'm actually really excited for it. I, I love the idea of watching a team get built. I, I just think that's really interesting how a coach has to put together various pieces to try to make it like a coherent team. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually really excited about it. I want to see who's going to step up and who's going to play. I mean, they're not going to be great, right? They might be like eight and four or something, but I, I want to see that. Like, I think that'll be very interesting to see how he, Urban Meyer has to do like rebuilding something. Yeah. I'm okay. A, I'm, yeah, a, for sure. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. That <laughs> I, I don't, don't live your life in fear. Michael. I don't like to lose. And um, you know, there's going to be a few losses next year, I think, but the cool thing is there's not this whole group coming back where you're going to say, oh, my old my old juniors are seniors now and they're going to play. It's going to be a wide open, I think, competition. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a very hungry team that might yeah. 
they might lose a game they should should not lose, but they might also win a game or two that they shouldn't win. Right. Yeah, and no, I, no, I don't I think agree with much that. Too. Well, Taylor Rooks, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you talking, you know, Big Ten football with us. Even though it didn't end quite the way we wanted, it was a really exciting season. <laughs> I was for, rooting for you guys. Been... I was ready for the Ohio State media party at Indy. It was like, I, bet. I oh, was man. ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. But sorry no, you guys will be great in the festival. Thanks so much for having me on. It was fun. And that is this week's 11 Dubcast. Thank you so much to Matt Finkus and Taylor Rook yeah. from the Big Ten Network. Uh, host, analyst, commentator, really great. Thank great. you so much for coming on. That was a, that was a fun interview. I like talking to Taylor. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you, Michael. All right. Shoot. So this past weekend, uh, both college and professional football was filled with a lot of very questionable coaching decisions, specifically like time management coaching decisions. Um, my Bengals, I'm going to say my Bengals because they're good this year. Uh, <laughs> were they not good? I would just say the Bengals, but my Bengals. All my Bengals. That's, that's right. Going back to 700 WOW days. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the Bengals played the Browns and they just beat the absolute hell out of them. I think it was like 37 to three, something like that. That was fun. And towards the end of the game, uh, or not the end, I think it was towards the middle of the game, it was like around halftime, the Browns kind of had a drive going, and there was this completely inexplicable decision on their part to, like, not, they had a timeout, they decided not to call it, they wasted something like 40 seconds, Mm -hmm. and eventually tried to, like, kick a field goal at the very end, which I think either they missed, I think they missed it, I can't remember, but the point was that they had a golden opportunity to get back in the game, and instead they screwed around and wasted almost an entire minute when they had a timeout. So I thought that was very funny to me, and I, I, I laughed heartily and said, oh, the Browns are so bad. Uh, the question that I have for you, Michael, after that very long introduction, mm-hmm. is what is the worst coaching decision that you have seen during the course of a football game? And maybe not worst as in, like, you know, if you're leaving an injured player, but maybe worst as in most baffling or stupidest. Talk- most are we talking this season? Any season, Any season of all time. Not that I'm saying that Browns was the worst one, but it just made me start to think. There's there's so many. I, I hearken back to a uh, a decision to run an option on fourth down with Greg Fry. Um, okay, that was one of the worst. One of the worst I've ever seen. Uh, I certainly will question whatever the hell Minnesota was doing at the end of the Michigan game, uh, <laughs> where they decided to shift 15 times instead of like you know, right. calling timeout or whatever, you know, they could have got several plays off, but they decided not to. Um, and then they left it all down to, you know, one play or, or nothing. And um, of course, Pete Carroll, not just giving the ball to beast mode in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was, that was really frustrating. Uh, i tell you what, let's narrow it down a little further then. Um, how about clock management? What is the worst clock management that you've ever seen? Well, again, the Minnesota game comes to mind with that clock. Right. That was bad. That was, I mean, there were like 24 seconds left when they lined up. And when they by the time they ran the play there were like 4 seconds left. Right. It was yeah. you it was you <laughs> could have gotten three plays off easy. Look, you don't want to give Michigan an extra 2 seconds to score any points on you. You got to milk it to the very possible last second. That was that was absolutely brutal and um I don't I don't know what the heck they were thinking, but I guess they liked what they saw because hey, head coach now yeah, <laughs> right, right, and that's kind of what we talk about with Taylor. It's it's weird how that has kind of worked out for some of these Big Ten teams. I don't, I don't know. I mean, God bless you, Chris Ash, but man, I mean, um, you know, with with regards to time management, I mean, Andy Reid is a performance artist. <laughs> that's true. He's had some yeah. real head scratchers through the years. Less Miles as well. Yes, yes, uh, Less Miles done some really excellent ones. <laughs> Yeah, I just those those are really I think my favorite uh, coaching screw ups be, simply because it's so avoidable yeah. and you're like you're watching the game like you're there like you know what how much time is left it feels like it should be very simple for you to figure this out and yet people screw it up on a consistent Ohio basis. Ohio State did it um, the year the year Fickle was head coach at Miami he did oh he yeah decided to, he saved the timeouts for offense. There are, there are a number of ways to stop the clock on offense. You can throw an incomplete pass. You can run out of right. bounds. You can spike the ball. On defense, there's one way to stop the clock, and that's to call yeah. timeout, and that's it. So, um, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was entertaining. 
Yeah, he didn't do so hot. So yeah, there, there's there's all kinds of of great examples of botched uh, clock management, and it tickles me that there are are not you know more people that are better at it than than what we have at the highest levels of football. Well, you know what? I hope that they never get better at it because frankly, it's it's one of the most entertaining aspects of the the whole football meta game to me. So anyway, just just thinking about it. just just things, just thinking things. Uh, Michael and I will be back next week yes. uh, for another great edition of the Eleven Dubcast. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll we'll think of more. Just just thinking things. Uh, <laughs> get your questions uh, in for ask us anything. Yeah, get those questions in. Um, and until next week, I'm John Aginner. I'm Michael Citro. Bye. Peace.